0: June episode 4 man we're back we're back um we got a good topic today I'm excited I'm gonna go probably on some deep uh rants and what I daydream night dream. All the time, just kind of obsessed about in many ways. Um, But I'm curious. You said you wanted to reflect on... You just listened to our first two episodes before we released them to the public. You were actually the first listener. Um, What were your thoughts? Okay, you're going to be disappointed. Um, (laughs) I wanted you to ask me that
1: while we're recording because... You know, I wanted to say that I actually, I listened to a little bit. I mean, I I skipped around, but I didn't listen to it all the way through. And the reason why I didn't is because my freaking anxiety got to me, dude. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, you know, all these doubts just started popping up into my head. I'm just like, oh, if you keep listening, you're going to know how stupid you sound. Um, Yeah, how incoherent you sound. Um, And man, I just like, I just tripped myself up and I just basically i couldn't overcome that hump and i could not bring myself to listen to the full episode
0: you're your worst uh, critic my friend
1: i am man i'm too harsh on myself um that's a skill i really need to uh, improve on um but yeah dude i i just have so much anxiety over i, I think just like just putting myself out there in general uh-huh. I, I told you i have mentioned this a little bit yeah. to you like i don't i don't mess with any kind of social media yeah yeah, um, yeah. and i never really have and i think a big part of that reason, you know, even though I've never um, told anybody outright, I guess. Uh-huh. It's is because of, like, you know, like kind of that social anxiety, like, you know, the comparison aspect. Yeah. And, like, you go on, I remember, you know, I got first got Facebook in high school, and it's just like I just see a bunch of stuff that I wasn't invited to, and I was just like, fuck this, man. I, I'm like, I don't even like this stuff that much. So, I, I just never really got into it, and this is, like, actually doing this podcast with you is a real big step out outside of my comfort zone for me um so i mean like you you are like almost a 100 episodes deep into your own podcast uh-huh. you're a published author how did you like start this stuff and how does it, it it seems like it comes so naturally to you
0: well thank you my friend that's uh very nice of you to say and uh i really <laughs> like your reflection on listening and sharing your own personal anxiety and it, it actually it makes me think um Cause I've definitely had those exact same thoughts and it made me kind of reflect I'm like, man, how did I get over that? Cause yeah, I, I had that same stuff too. Um, and it's a long story, but I, we're reflecting on all on mania to on this episode. So it's actually very relevant. Oh, okay. Um, the story dates back to, I actually can't even tell you what month, but the Sandy Hook shooting, actually, oddly yeah. enough. The Sandy Hook shooting. That was in at some point in 2012. Towards the end of 2012, I, I can't remember the month, but whatever. Everybody remembers that horrific tragedy. Uh-huh. Um, if you don't, the child, uh, all the kids that were shot in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. and yeah. You can Google it if you want. It was horrible. And I remember after that, all over the news there was a ton of news media outlets just saying people with mental illness were ticking time bombs and we needed to take the guns away from people with mental illness and like they're just so violent and all this stuff and I remember you know obviously feeling like that person who committed those horrific horrific crimes yeah probably did have significant mental illness but so did I and my mental illness did not in any way shape or form reflect the tragedy of that event and I thought felt that I got unfairly associated with those kind of horrific monsters who co- commit crimes like that Yeah. purely just because we have in common mental illness, and I got pissed, pissed, bro, and I even like manic pissed, and I couldn't sleep, and I would obsess about this, and I would talk to my therapist a bit, like, oh, and I was so angry. He's like, "Do something about it, man." He's like. Don't be all talk. You gotta do something about it. And so I joined a speakers bureau. And I remember mm. when I first joined, it was a national, or no, Mental Health America speakers bureau in Placer County, um, California. And I went through like a speakers training and it was really hard because when you first do public speaking, you try to listen to your recordings and same things. You just, uh, I sound like a you know fucking yeah. idiot. My voice sounds like a freaking prepubescent boy, like, or just <laughs> horrible. Like, I have the least sexy voice, and like all these self doubts, all these anxieties, and all this stuff. And then I think the best way to really think of it is as an audience person, as a, someone in the audience, when you're viewing a speaker or when you're listening to a podcast after you listen to them, could you really recite word for word what they even said? Like, nowhere near close.
1: Absolutely not. I can barely even remember half the things. No,
0: exactly. (laughs) And like... You know, if someone ever does come out super perfectionist and like says everything perfectly, how do you describe that person as like robotic? Like they didn't seem like non-human. They seem someone like I hated. So in many ways, people actually, I feel like like when you're just a human and you just like almost show your imperfections and maybe even like trip up on your words at times or like even say things a little awkwardly because that's how humans talk. And humans remember humans, not for necessarily all the words that what they say, like no one is going to come over this like it's the frickin gospel, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or anything like that they're going to remember moments and maybe even phrases. And if they do, then that's enough. Then they took away a valuable thing from listening at that time to my public speaking or any content that I then created. And, you know, of course it's easier said than done, but I realized that like perfection is not what I'm doing here. And um, I guess the best way to get over it is you know, being of course, kinder to yourself. And it's like, you know, I'm just being a human and it's not about necessarily the product of what we're creating, but I think the intent in some ways, like I'm just trying to produce something that's trying to help. And you know what? Maybe sometimes I'm going to trip up. Maybe sometimes things I'm going to say things that even maybe hurt people unintentionally, uh, offend people or whatever. But Mm -hmm. you know, I am out, out here trying to gain understanding, uh, you know, obviously advocate, we're advocating for mental health a lot on this show. That's of course what I've been doing for decades. But, you know, I think, um, you should stop listening to your own episodes. And I think that's also a big thing that I did. Um, I, cause it's like, what are we really gaining from this? It's like, you know, if we ever trip up, um, and say some stupid things like You know, we'll learn from that experience in the moment and to be hypercritical, maybe at times it's going to help you re-listen to shows, but I almost never do. I just, you know, this was the natural conversation that I had. I'm going to release it for people to hear and if they benefit from it, great. If they hate it, you know. That might even be a good thing, too, because then it maybe elicits at least some thought provoking content for them and and maybe influences how they view the world or how they want to advocate for what they really feel like. Um, So now I'm rambling and the people probably listening are like, this guy sucks at talking too. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know, man. Yeah. Did, Did you get any good nuggets out of that at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, intent. I love that you said that. You know, because at the end of the day, when we first sat down and talked about doing this podcast, it was because we wanted to make an impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. We wanted to help people live better, healthier, and more emotionally resilient lives. So as long as, you know, we keep that goal in mind. And um yeah, like you said, um, there's going to be moments where I trip up. There's going to be moments you trip up. Um, but will just like with anything else you know hopefully we'll continue to improve mm-hmm. and um you know and hopefully through that process we can continue to keep our eyes focused on that
0: intent that we started with exactly yeah exactly and so i mean i hope you never listen to any episodes ever again well i'll keep you updated on how that goes Because um, i think you know you are uh you wouldn't have got this far if you weren't a badass individual you know and uh I, I wouldn't have asked you to start a podcast with me if you weren't an awesome guy to talk to. Simple as that. So you're, you're going to make
1: me blush, Logan. Ah, uh,
0: I, I can see it, see it already. But you know, it's just—I think it's as simple as that. And just believing that you're—you uh, know—there's a reason that we have the wonderful opportunity to be psychiatry residents. Yeah. And, and like, I do feel truly lucky. It's like because um, I think both of us are good people to talk to, and I hope that. Um, For people listening, you know, if you're listening to this podcast now, we cannot be your doctors anytime soon. (laughs) But I encourage you that there are a lot of other doctors that I think we work with um, that are very similar to us and are very approachable and easy to talk to. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy our conversations and feel that you want some assistance with your mental health, like I strongly just encourage you to go talk to anybody, any men- mental health professional or even your primary care doctor, even a family member, whatever. Um, I just hope that this podcast just opens doors to conversations wherever they may lead because I think the worst way to handle these mental health issues is in shadows, is in silence, and isolation. Um, so one look at this caveat here. One thing that I live in isolation about is my daydreaming about my own bipolar disorder. And if I, if I'm doing it in the most optimal way, and what I mean by that is like, you know, there are aspects of my bipolar disorder that Are really painful, really challenging, you know, and for me that's, uh, anxiety, irritability, I would say anger management, um, even the ability to just like relax and be able to fall asleep, you know, is, is, things are different, things I struggle with with bipolar disorder. But there are definitely elements that I enjoy about it and I do think I, I always joke, like, I feel like I have more energy in the tank than other people. You know, maybe that's part of the bipolar disorder mania. And yeah, sometimes that fuels anxiety and um, irritability. But also sometimes for me, it it fuels creativity and um, maybe even confidence and the ability to at least try new things and, and do things. And um, but that those feelings, both good and bad, are transient and temporary and they come and go and, and I can certainly influence them you know when I'm um, not taking care of myself not sleeping well yeah I definitely fall into depression more and when I'm you know uh, in a healthy routine I, I kind of slide for the most part into maybe the more hypomanic stages of the um, disease course but sometimes even if I'm doing all the right things it fluctuates like a wave and it's really I find myself at times missing the I guess, kind of, good aspects of this disorder and longing for it, um, and getting frustrated that I don't feel that excess amount of energy. Because when I do go into more depressive cycles, um, I don't feel like I have energy. I don't always have the energy to do, um, new podcast episodes, new, new, um, content, you know, even work out to my normal ability. It's hard to maintain a routine and it just, like a wave, kind of always goes up and down. So I find myself asking questions like, okay, I've been on the same medicine for a really long time now. And I don't need to share the details, but a very long time. And I'm doing a good job um, managing my mental illness, right? Like, you know, I'm a second year resident physician. I'm I'm providing uh, for myself and helping support the my wife and fur babies I got at home and living a very good life. Could I be doing it even better if I was on slightly different medication regimen? And it terrifies me to think about like, well, yeah, but what if it is managed worse by making changes to your medicines? Mm-hmm. What if you have to go back into the hospital because that's not a fun experience? You know, what if you have um, a manic episode that you can't recognize and, you know, mania is serious. People can get um you know, bad things can happen when people go through manic episodes, right? Whether it's even just spending money, uh, risky behavior, um, death, for lack of better words. Um, so I don't know. I always kind of contemplate back in my head and, and question, you know, at what point of my life cycle is maybe trying a different approach to my bipolar disorder going to be a smart idea or is it the approach of if it's not broken, uh, don't fix it? approach is the best course of action assuming that you know the medicine is not causing any like kind of toxicity to any or right it's like that's right. like easy like oh like, yeah um but you know assuming that assuming nothing goes wrong what do you think man so
1: it doesn't sound like it's broken but from you know what i heard from your your little um talk right now was that uh while it's not broken it's not working 100% correctly. Um, there's st- there appears to be some elements where you're still having some discomforts, mm-hmm. some things that you could you wish that you could smooth out a little bit. I mean, is that right? And if so, can you tell me like what those things are? Like what's going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, but then isn't that also just life? You know, isn't yeah. that also just kind of like the ups and downs of life that all people experience you know I would almost define that as like to a pathological sense there have been periods of my life where I've been profoundly profoundly depressed this was before I received any kind of um, treatment you know there was times where I did contemplate suicide in my life Um, you know that was probably when I was around 20 years old it was a horrible painful time in my life mm-hmm. and while I'll still say words like um, depression and kind of go into a little down periods it's nowhere as near pathologic as those stages of my life. Right. So while me, yes, no, I don't have the same energy to, to always produce podcast content or, um, to take care of myself in the same way exercise, like I was saying, but it's, it's not to the deeps of depression like before. And that's why I feel like the medicine is, you know, really having a, a very positive outlook, um, and positive management on my disease process. Um, so it's like, how much optimization? I feel like we use that word so much, like around right. fucking tech bros and crap like that, uh-huh. like social media optimization. Um, but like, how much is is too much? How much you know is just life? And it's like you could argue that until you're blue in the face, right? Yeah. Well, if you were if you were at your one hundred
1: one hundred and ten percent optimization, what would your life look like? How how would it be different from the life that you're living today? Eight pack, shredded. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. So Logan, Logan's overachiever. Uh, <laughs> but he's not satisfied with a six pack. He needs
0: eight. <laughs> Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I am not bashful about all of my all of my uh, medical conditions because it is that's actually a big portion of it. Uh-huh. Um, I take a medicine called Valproate Depakote. Uh, it's also called, um, and it's very challenging because like I can lean on Depakote as. my my uh easy excuse of that's why I'm overweight you know the listeners I'm probably 30 pounds overweight i think is fair um, i'm like a 230 pound man i think a uh, ideal weight for me would be about uh 200. I guess maybe I'm like 227 or whatever. But yeah, so like 25, 30 pounds overweight. And like 200 pounds would, you know, I don't know about eight pack. That's of course i'm guessing. but like, you know, then at least I would no longer be, I literally have some, some, uh, risk factors for COVID, like overweight, obesity, you uh-huh. know, diet potentially diabetes, hypertension, runs in my family, right? So this medicine that I'm on does also contribute to me being overweight, or at least that's one of the potential side effects. But I've also been overweight most of my whole life. So it's kind of hard to say it's particularly from this medicine. But, you know, that contributes to the thought, too. Like, is a different medication approach going to make it that much easier for me to lose weight?
1: Right, right. Um, and I think, you know, just from the clinical side of it, I mean, what is the ultimate goal of having somebody on a mood stabilizer? Right. What's the thing that we always look at? Um it's function right mm-hmm. um, how well adapted are you I almost quickly community? answered
0: staying out of the hospital yeah that too that's a part of that's a part <laughs> that's of function like, yeah.
1: yeah somebody who's consistently going into the hospital over and over again is not functioning well mm-hmm. um, but Logan when I look at you you're very put together very eloquent you're a doctor.
0: Mm-hmm. You um, say this as I'm wearing a mustache. Yeah, oddly. Yeah, it's, it's a great look <laughs> on you.
1: you. You you pull it off like none other. Um, so yeah, like you you have a successful marriage. You have you know pets are taken care of. Like you're paying your own rent. You know, like mm-hmm. you're you're an independent adult human being. There we That's go. able to self support himself. I tie my own shoes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very impressive everything that you do. <laughs> um, so I think you know from that aspect we can say. I, I hear that and I say the Depakote is doing its job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's always... So I've always wondered, um, you know, when I'm taking care of patients, like when when people have an issue with a medication or, you know, when people have life circumstances that come up and there's these new symptoms that are emerging, like, is it really the medication? Or can there be at times, um, you know, this element that, the medication or this illness is is something that you can point to and say like hey maybe that's the reason like it's something that's always there so maybe maybe like you know people tend to gravitate towards that way and kind of lock out all the other possibilities what do, what do you think
0: can you give me a, like, an example of what you were maybe referring to you were Yeah, like an issue like what were you so
1: i mean you know like the issue with somebody that's gaining weight right on a medication so- something similar to what you were alluding to i mean and i'm not saying this is the case with you but what if that person you know has a terrible diet they don't exactly. go to the gym you know and they're so focused on you know the fact that they're on this medication that's known to cause weight gain and i'm not saying it's definitely not like it mm-hmm. could be but there's all these other things that may also be contributing you know or it may Arguably contributing even more than Mm -hmm. the the, the medication. But because this person um, has this thing and all their attention is focused on it, they don't see these other factors. And this Mm -hmm. is just their immediate and only focus.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I, I what helps me kind of, at least where I am at today, November 8th, 2022, you know, I actually have been able to lose weight while taking the Depakote. There was actually a period yeah. of my life where I was like 275. I was a big boy. I had like B cups, bro. They were ugly, <laughs> dude. And, you know, through, through uh, a lot of hard work and over many years, you know, I was able to, to lose a lot of that weight. And I'm like, like I said, like 227 today. And so that kind of does help um, me think that code is something, you know, that is still appropriate for me. Right. And it is very easy to like fixate on that and like ignore that my diet is nowhere near perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I eat like crap a lot. Mm-hmm. And while I've been able to remove some unhealthy things, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, and, you know, I think also the big bear in the room is also I'm getting older, right? You know, and it's, it's, it's so hard to realize, like, yeah, man, like, as you get older, your metabolism is going to slow down. You have to yeah. eat a little less. Uh-huh. And I hate that, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's, I, the eating, like, brings me so much joy in this world. But, um, it, it is also interesting, you know, another property of, um, Depakote is, it does of course make you more hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot about like, yeah, we talk about now eating less and all these things is choosing another agent that, is you know still very appropriate and it seems like if taken properly should adequately manage bipolar disorder you know what i'm referring to is you know lithium or um you know all those new second generation antipsychotics the abilify um you know seroquel lance you name it yeah um should right you know be able to get the job done like those of course have their own risk factors of weight gain too so it's i don't know man this is what i like i keep saying think about a little too much i would yeah. say and yeah. um because it's like yeah it's like well but things aren't going bad like you were kind of saying like you know depcos doing its job but logan has his life together mm-hmm. you know um and like trying to almost pursue this element of perfection or whatever um and ignoring maybe some of the other easier things that are more attainable, cheaper, less risky to change. And what I'm referring to is like diet and uh-huh. maybe sleep quality, rather than taking the risk of um, cross tapering between Depakote and yeah. lithium, and you know, and all these other things. And um, even as I have this very thoughtful conversation with you, I'm still going to end up obsessing about it. You know, it's just my life. It's my experience. And the, the, this kind of thought pattern, I don't know if it will ever leave me. Right.
1: And, um, I think that's exactly why we can't ever, um, discount a patient's experience, their Mm -hmm. own unique experience to medication, a certain condition that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause everybody goes through, um, the same things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, like who better fit to weigh the risks and benefits of this potential change than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you're you and you're also a trained clinician yeah. in the field of psychiatry. So who better? Um, and I think, you know, if you were to, you know, make that decision to go through with it, I mean, that's that's what your psychiatrist is for. Um, mm-hmm. And for, for all, all of you that's listening, I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah. I mean, we're really here to kind of of course give you the guidance on the best possible care in our professional opinion, but we're, we're we're not doing this by ourselves. We're we're a team. Yeah. You know, it's it's what the patient wants and um, you know, if if in our professional judgment it's in a, it sounds appropriate, yeah. right? Like why not? That's what we're here for. Um because at the end of the day, we want you as stable um and as high functioning for as long as possible. And when we're talking about an about bipolar disorder you know mm-hmm. you have to be on this medication indefinitely mm-hmm. and because of that timeline um without that hand-to-hand you know side-by-side relationship you know in that decision making right it's going to be significantly harder if it's just the physician directing care or if it's yeah. just the patient directing care so it's, it's a team team approach and um yeah if you if you decide to go through with it i mean you know who who, who better you know yeah. to 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 try to do it.
0: Well, I think we should almost end this episode reflecting a little bit on medication noncompliance because um you know, if we look at all the different diseases of psychiatry, you know, especially bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, it seems like not always, but if you're not medication compliant with those particular diseases, you know, it can end really bad. bad. Yeah. It's bad. bad. And you know, I think one reason people ask, like, how have you been successful with your management of bipolar disorder? It's one thing I'm very proud of is the medication noncompliance, but I hate the medicine. And so how I actually have become so, um, compliant to this medicine is truly out of, I think, fear. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, I actually don't know if I need to always be on medicine, you know, like I feel like bipolar disorder, I feel like our understanding right now today of it is yes, mm-hmm. but it's like, Hey, there might be a new treatment in the future. Or like, you know, I'm not totally sure, but at least today I want to commit to this and taking this medicine, but it's also extremely personal to me. You know, I did have an uncle who had bipolar disorder who ended up dying from this illness wow. Um and, you know, took his own life. And, and so That always scared the living hell out of me and caused me to really pause and take it serious. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've stared at that bottle of medicine and being like, "Ah." like I sigh, I feel like every time before I take it, like, ah, do I really need this crap? Like, is this truly worth it? But like, because of that connection with my uncle, does help really motivate me. Yeah. And so, you know, I can totally relate to our patients when they say like I just like don't like taking the medicine. I understand that and you know, I'd be interested to get your perspective too, but you know, my message to anyone who has that feeling, it's like I've I've been there. I know what that feeling is like. So please If you do stop taking the medicine suddenly, like really scary things can actually happen. You could hypothetically go into a seizure, um, or you can just really feel really sick. It's possible that you might even have like some elements of uh, like paranoia or psychosis or whatever, or or maybe even like suicidal thoughts come back. And I don't mean to try. I guess I do actually kind of mean to scare you in some regard, but I want you to just, if you want to stop taking the medicine, that's okay. I just really encourage you to have that conversation with the person giving you a medicine because they're going exactly. to understand and they can take different approaches and at least wean you off the medicine in a safe way. So you don't feel like crap and you can be in a safe environment with support around you also, um, who are all aware that you're, you know, uh, have this position and it's okay to have that emotion like I I want to acknowledge like it's okay to have that strong feeling and me as your physician I can still convince you and it still is my professional opinion in this day and age that it is in your best interest to take medication if you do have bipolar disorder schizoaffective disorder and schizophrenia most specifically because they are so severe and it seems like now at least you do have to take medicine extremely for the long term I hope that changes in the future but today my understanding of is that yeah you really need to commit to medicine. For the long term. And um, so, what do you think you should tell a patient, and what do you encourage them when they start to have some of these emotions like, I'm overtaking these meds?
1: So, sometimes I do feel like their concern is valid Mm because i'll look at their med list and i'm like holy crap Mm -hmm. who like who were you seeing what hospitals have you been to how many different systems have you been through that you ended up on all these different medications so in those cases i certainly do work with the patient on tapering and cutting back on some of them Mm -hmm. um, avoiding polypharmacy Um, but i would also tell them look it's these medications will keep you out of the hospital It helps you to live the life that you want. So there there is a trade-off. Absolutely, I can understand that patients do not like to take medication. I I don't like to take Mm medication. I don't like to take Tylenol when I'm sick. Mm -hmm. Um, So I totally get that as well. Um, But when we're dealing with stuff as serious as bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, just the trade-offs of not taking that medication um, in the time that you lose. And also just... Looking forward, um, with each manic episode that you have because you're off medication, with each psychotic break that you have because you're off medication, just that intense release of dopamine in that, in your brain causes neurodegeneration. Yes. And with each break, that damage gets worse and worse and worse. And with each successive neurodegenerative episode, the chances of you becoming treatment resistant goes up and up and up. So, mm-hmm. at a certain point, it just spirals out of control. And it is so important to stabilize a person early on and make sure they never, ever go into another manic episode, another psychotic break ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the ideal case for treatment and um, and for having that patient stable. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. So, um, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, certain you know depending on your circumstance um if you don't want to be on medication you can certainly have a discussion with your psychiatrist but um as somebody who's um you know seeing seeing patients every single day i will say 100% certain people 1000% need to be on medication mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely so
0: you know it's just case by case talk to your doctors that's i think the best way to end it man
1: hey guys Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Psych Guys podcast. If you enjoyed the content, please leave us a review and share this episode with your friends and family. It's the best way and the quickest way to support the show. Thanks, everybody.